Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. My name's Dave. If I haven't met you, it's lovely to, uh, to meet you. Not really meeting you, but you know, you're meeting me. Uh, we are in a series um, called It's a Group Thing. Oh, that's me. Oh, look, that, it's got the funky font and everything. Uh, it's a group thing, and uh, I have to do a shout-out to my group um, because it's a group thing. And in Equipers, we, we, everything begins with E, so we have E-groups, and uh, I'm part of the best E-group. Um, we, yeah, we used to have a really average name on our, on our um, messenger thread. It was E-group, E-group, E-group. I don't know. Uh, just keep getting added to. But now, someone changed it, Brad, uh, to E-Group 2.0 Crankworks Slope Style, <laughs> which I don't know. I don't know what it means, but it sounds really hardcore. Uh, and we are anything. We are everything. We are hardcore. That's what we are about, right? Right, Matt? Yeah. So shout out to the best E-Group. Um, what, what I'm actually talking about is, is, is a little bit uh, of a tangent, but... Uh, I cleared it with Jono, so, and he's not even here. So, uh, <laughs> no, nah, no. Nah. He said, no, that sounds good. That sounds good. So, so if you're taking notes, uh, you, you can write down the dissenting voice. And you can go, what? The dissenting voice? What's that got to do with it's a group thing? You'll see. Hopefully you'll see. I have, I have two aims this morning, actually. Uh, my first, uh, well, I have an aim for you to, to, to agree with me around two, two ideas. Um, the two things are, firstly, we need to have a different voice in our group, and we need to be a voice of difference for our group or in our group. So we need to be, we need to have different voices in our group, and we need to be a voice of difference in our group. And when I say group, I don't just mean your e-group. I mean your group, your world, okay? Because we, we live in a, you know, we have lots of different groups. We have our family group. We have our e-group at church. We have our, our work group. We might have a school or university group. We have our extended family group. We have our friendship group. We have all these different groups. And so I want you to apply this not just, not just to your e-group, but to your world, to the groups that you are in. Because the thing is, I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in an increasingly polarized world the world is, is kind of getting more fractious. Things are f- becoming far more tribal. You're either you're, you're left or you're right politically. You're, you're either for or against something you're in or you're out. There's no middle ground anymore. There's no nuance to disagreement. You're either, it's black or it's white. And there's, there's no gray. And, and people are losing the ability to disagree politely with one another. And... Uh, and, and so what I'm speaking about today is kind of speaking into that. Because while, while globalization has been amazing and it's brought the world to our doorstep in many ways, it's made our world bigger, it's actually in many ways made our world smaller. Because more and more fe- people can find this, their community online. They can find the people who think just like them and they can hang out with just those people. And, and, and so kind of their, their world becomes just the people who are like them. And, and that is kind of natural. Like, we start doing that as teenagers, right? We, we start, we break away, and I'm seeing this in my family. It's no longer, like, about the family unit. Kids don't want to hang with mum and dad anymore, although 
we did watch a movie with our older two girls last night. So it still does happen, um, but but we kind of we do that. It's it's a natural part of thing when we 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 start to form other groups, and that's human nature, right? And it's completely understandable. We like who we like because they are like us, and we have a natural affinity, and so we kind of cluster together in those natural groups. And and they can be, you know, church groups, or they can be around a hobby or a, a sport or whatever it is. And that's good, and that's fine, that's natural, because it's a group thing, right? Okay? But it's also a little dangerous. Dangerous? Yeah, subtly dangerous. You see, if we only ever interact with the people that we agree with, that think like us, that we have a natural affinity for, then our worlds slowly become smaller. And our thinking becomes smaller. And we, we subtly become prejudiced. We become biased towards people who are like us. And you might think, well, you know, that's not dangerous. Well, it's not dangerous in a big way, in a you know, but it's dangerous in a small, kind of insidious way because we slowly become more and more self-focused, more and more narrow-minded, and essentially less and less loving and less like Jesus, which as Christians, if you're a Christian today, that's who we model our lives on. Just that's a wee hot tip for you. Uh, before, don't model your life on, on Jono or Penny or dear. Definitely not me. Anybody on the stage, model your life on Jesus. There you go. Um, and before you say, well, I'm not like that. I haven't got small-minded. I haven't got biased. I haven't, I'm not prejudiced. Yes, you are. You are. I am. We all are, right? Because as much as we like to think that we are the plumb line of normal, everybody likes to think like that. <laughs> the person sitting next to you thinks that they're normal and you're the weird one, right? Like that's, that's actually how we all think. We just think, I'm normal. Everybody else is just a bit off-center. But I am the one true right and normal, okay? You're not. I am, no. No, I'm not either. None of us are. Only God is actually. And the thing is that as Christians, we can get really bad about this. We can actually be the worst at this sometimes. Um, and in, and in this kind of day and age, it's easy to kind of slip into this us versus world mentality where we're like, well, actually, you know, we as Christians, we, we hold all truth and we, we're the ones who've got it together. The world's going to hell in a handbasket, so they, they can just, yeah, do that. And we're just going to shut it out and disengage. And it's safer that way, right? <laughs> yeah, we just don't engage. But while that might be a natural thing to do, we're not called to be natural we're called to be supernatural. We're called to live differently. And actually, that's not a healthy way to live. So I want to ask you two questions this morning. Firstly, who do you have in your world that is different to you? And I don't just mean a little bit different, like your wife or your husband or someone. You know, I mean significantly different, who has a different voice to you, who is who's perhaps a dissenting voice, someone who, who disagrees with you around some pretty fundamental things in your in the way you think. Do you have those people? Because if you don't, I'm going to challenge you that you need to, that we all need to. And my second challenge is, where are you a voice of, of difference or even a voice of dissent? In what groups are you being that voice that is different? Are you at all? 
Because as we'll discover, Jesus had these people in his world. And he was this person to people as well. And, and we need to follow his example, as I said before. So, and it's actually really healthy for us to have different voices in our world. I'll give you some scripture just so you don't think I'm making this all up. Hopefully it'll come up. Proverbs 11, verse 14 says, Where there is no counsel or for lack of guidance, okay, this is the NIV, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Another version says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. The multitude of counselors, the, the, the many advisors, it's not all a bunch of different people saying the same thing. It's a variety of voices. It's not a bunch of yes men or yes women, but it's actually different opinions. Because when you get different opinions, you get different viewpoints on a scenario. And you can see more of the picture. You can see it from a different perspective. Because the thing is, we don't know what we don't know. We all have these things called blind spots. And we all have them. You don't know what yours are, okay? So if you're sitting here thinking, I don't have a blind spot, you are blind about your blind spot. That is a blind spot. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, that's the beauty of You don't know that they're not there. You don't, you don't think you have any, <laughs> but actually we all do. And having a different voice or a multitude of voices allows us to see things and go, actually, oh, I never thought about it like that. Actually, that's a really good point. I've always been thinking about it this way because that's the way I grew up. And that's the background that I have. You know, because we think, you know, New Zealand life is normal. No, you go to Africa, you go to Asia, you go to Europe, you go to America. It's different. New Zealand life is not normal. It's just what we're used to. And we need to have those different voices because then we have a multitude of voices. I want to I tell you a story. It's a long story, so I'm going to kind of condense it a little bit. But it's from 1 Kings. If you've got your Bible, you can follow along. It's, uh, it's a great example of the importance of having different voices in our world. So 1 Kings 22, starting verse 1. For three years, there was no war between Aram and Israel. Okay, this is the time of, of kings. So there's Israel and there's Judah. Um, they're the, the kingdoms um, of the people of God. And then there's a whole lot of surrounding nations. And, but in the third year... Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to see the king of Israel. The king of Israel had said to his officials, Don't you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and yet we are doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram? So he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First, seek the counsel of the Lord. Good idea. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, Shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? The king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, There is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. The king, the king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. Uh, and so the, uh, I won't read this next bit, but the king um, brings, brings um, Micaiah to him. And, uh, and then uh, in verse 12, it says, all the, all the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. They were saying, attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. 
the messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look, the other prophets, without exception, are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. Uh, so then he goes, Micaiah goes to um, the king, and he kind of jokingly says, Ah, oh, you know, you should attack. And then the king pushes him and he says, No, actually, you know, you're going to lose. You shouldn't attack. And, uh, and then, um, yeah, we'll skip down to verse 26. The king of Israel then ordered, take Micaiah. So he's unhappy with this because he's like, everyone else says attack. And you're telling me, no, you always do this. <laughs> and he says, the king of Israel then ordered, take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say, this is what the king says. Put the, this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. And Micaiah declared, if you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. And then he added, mark my words, all you people. I love Micaiah. He's just got attitude to burn. Um, he doesn't even care that he's been sent to prison. He's like, still, you're going down, king. Um, and that's what happens, right? So um, the king of Judah, uh, like he thinks he's being sneaky, and he dresses up um, Jehoshaphat as himself, and then he just dresses himself in normal, um, just average soldier uniform, thinking, aha, I'm not going to get killed because they're not going to find me. And he gets a random arrow just in battle and dies. Uh, so the point is, there were 400 voices saying one thing, and they were all wrong. They're all saying the same thing because that was the popular thing to say. And it was like, oh, what are you saying, prophet? Oh, yeah, you're saying that? Yeah, I've said, yeah, let's all, yeah, okay. Let's all say that. And they did it. And they all said the same thing. But there was one who sought God and realized, actually, this is the voice of the Lord. We need to have discernment, but we also need to have those different voices. Otherwise, we're not going to hear that different viewpoint. If we don't have that voice speaking into our world, we're not going to hear it. I just want to say, just, just to be really clear, I'm not endorsing conspiracy theorism. Please do not hear what I'm not saying. If all the trained experts and academics are saying one thing, and your mate Bob, who's done like an evening's reading on the internet, uh, says that, no, 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 this is, this is why they're all wrong, please don't listen to Bob, okay? He knows nothing. Um, please. <laughs> or he knows very little. <laughs> Just clarifying. But sometimes the right thing to do can be obscured. And it's not being obscured by the government or by some agency. It's being obscured because the enemy doesn't want you to do the right thing. Sometimes the truth is spoken in a still, small voice. It's the one amongst the many, and we need to learn to listen. But I would suggest that we need to invite different voices into our world so that we can hear that voice and not just listen to the 400 that are saying the wrong thing. See, King Ahab kind of was caught in this echo chamber of his own making. And you might have heard that phrase. We often talk about it around um, the algorithms on the internet. Like, but if we just keep looking at the same stuff, we create our own echo chamber. And we only ever hear the same thing. Actually, we need to invite different voices into our world. Okay, so that's an Old Testament example. But what about Jesus? Like, he's our, he's our go-to 
what does he, you know, does he have different voices in, our, in his world? Is he being a voice of difference? In Mark 3, um, verse 16, we, we read of the 12 disciples that Jesus appointed. I'll read it to you just quickly. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Uh, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Okay, so 12 disciples. What we need to understand about Jesus is that Jesus is a rabbi, okay? Rabbis have followers. Rabbis are also very intelligent. They are kind of the creme de la creme of society at that time. And Jesus, like Jono was talking a few weeks ago, he would have memorized the Pentateuch, probably the book, the prophets as well. He probably had pretty much the whole Old Testament memorized, not just because he was God. (laughs) That's kind of cheating, isn't it? No, because that's what was expected of a rabbi in those times. And so you'd expect Jesus to be choosing followers who are also pretty onto it, right? Who are actually very highly educated, had also memorized large chunks of the Bible and understood that scripture. But that's not what we see at all. Like he's not picking out all the academics and the smart people from Jewish society. No, let's look at his disciples. Simon, Peter, he's an uneducated fisherman. James and John, uh, they're also fishermen. They're known as sons of thunder. They're probably quite tempestuous fishermen. Uh, In fact, there's two sets of brothers. Andrew is Simon Peter's brother. So we've got two sets of fishermen, brothers who are fishermen. Four fishermen so far. Woo! Jesus is all about the fishermen, okay? He should have, yeah. He's choosing disciples from Littleton at the moment. Uh, Philip, friend of of Andrew. I'm just saying, there's fishermen over there. Uh, Philip, he's a friend of Andrew and Peter. Probably another fisherman. (laughs) Bartholomew, we don't know anything about Bartholomew. James, we only know that he's the son of Alphaeus. We don't know anything more about him. Thaddeus, also called Jude Thaddeus. Both pretty cool names. Don't know much about him either. Thomas, what do we know about Thomas? He doubts a lot. That's about all we know. He's a skeptic. Like he's the guy who doesn't believe you, Jesus. So far, we're not going great guns, are we? Matthew, it gets even better. Matthew is a tax collector. This is a really interesting choice. See, tax collectors were Jewish men who had betrayed or kind of sold out their brothers and sisters by working on behalf of the oppressing nation, the Romans, and taking money on their behalf and probably skimming some off the top. So pretty much, if you, if you want to choose a really hated person in Jewish society, you would choose a tax collector. Like nobody likes the tax collectors because they're basically stealing. They're, the anti, they're anti-Robin Hood. They're stealing from the poor and giving to the rich themselves, right? So they are like, they are hated. And yet Jesus picks one out of a tree. Like, oh, look what I found. Oh, he's juicy. Yep, yeah, okay. He picks Matthew out of a tree and says, you, follow me. He's definitely not choosing on popularity, right? He's definitely not choosing on voices that are the same as him. Matthew is a really interesting choice. 
And what makes him super interesting is the next choice, Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot. Being a zealot doesn't mean he's a really passionate guy. Okay, that's kind of what we think zealous. Well, it does. It's what zealous means now. But the zealots were, in those times, a group of rebel people who essentially they were like brigands. They were robbers. They, they opposed uh, Roman rule and occupation, but they did it really violently. They were the most lawless and the most brutal, and they hated anyone who sided with the Romans. So they would be like, they're, they're terrorists, essentially. Okay? Simon, the, should read Simon the terrorist. Okay? So you've got, you've got Matthew, who's working for the bad government, for the Romans, taking some money from them. And then you've got Simon the zealot, who's like Simon the terrorist, trying to undermine this government. They would have hated each other. They would be, they're complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And these, are, and these are Jesus' disciples. And Jesus is trying to lead this group. Like, I have enough difficulty trying to get my four daughters not to fight with one another. Imagine having 12 guys, some of whom who just hate each other, trying to lead them, let alone keep them from killing each other. And, oh, and I didn't mention, oh, this really good one. Have you heard of him? Judas Iscariot. <laughs> Yeah, he's really well known for being a great disciple. He, he's the one who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So what's my point in telling you all about Jesus' disciples? The fact is that they are so different to him. Their voices are so different to one another. They're such a diverse bunch, such a strange range of people. I haven't even mentioned the woman who followed Jesus, Mary Magdalene whom he cast out seven demons from. There was Mary, mother of James, Salome. There are women from a variety of backgrounds in there as well. You see, Jesus didn't have an issue having this mistrusted white-collar criminal in Matthew and a violent blue-collar criminal in Simon the terrorist in the same group. And chuck in Thomas, the skeptical rationalist and the greedy, disloyal, traitor, Judas. Like, this is a, a very different group. So if it's good enough for Jesus, oh, it's probably good enough for us. So if you're taking notes, this is my first point. I've just, about, I've just got to it. Uh, invite some dissenting voices into your group. Choose some dissenting people to hang out with. They don't, have to dis- they don't have to agree with you. In fact, they should actually disagree with you. And, and even possibly disagree with you in, in, in ways that make you uncomfortable and that are a little bit challenging. Maybe they don't even encourage you in the right direction. I don't think Judas was encouraging Jesus in the right direction a lot of the time. Probably Simon the Zealot wasn't either. He was like, come on, Jesus, let's overthrow this government. Let's take them. It's It's now. Don't go and die on a cross. Let's storm the, the temple. No, no, Simon, <laughs> down. Jesus wasn't bothered by dissenting voices. He didn't cut others out of his world because they had a different worldview to him. In fact, he invited them in. He chose those people. He's like, yeah, you, you really need my help. <laughs> you really need to hear a different voice in your world. 
What's that? They're saying keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I think Jesus did a bit of this. Judas, ultimately, Jesus' boundaries were porous. Apparently, that's a theological term. You can ask Mary about that later. He didn't exclude people based on any criteria we would use, such as their political viewpoint or their social standing or their morality or their ideology. Jesus welcomed all people, and he chose as his closest disciples people from crazily different backgrounds. Because here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus is always looking towards the other. He's always looking outward towards other people, the excluded, those on the fringes, those literally on the edge of the crowd, like Matthew, who's like in a tree on the edge of the crowd, those on the extremes of society, like Simon the terrorist. He's pretty out there. Even those who couldn't be trusted, like Judas. Do we see the humanity in the world around us like Jesus did? Not as, oh, do they agree with me or do they disagree with me? But rather, are they a person whom God loves or not? Well, there's not another. There's not that option. So they are a person who God loves. Therefore, they can be in my world. Do we invite into our world those who disagree with us? Or do we keep them at a safe distance, at arm's length? This is a hard-hitting message, not just for you, but for me as well. Because I'm just like you, and I have people I like, and people I find safe to be around, and, and people who challenge me. And I want to ask this question, who are those people for you? People of, And they could be people of a different culture. They could be a people of a different faith. They could be a people of a different socioeconomic group. There could be, there's so many differences. I'll tell you what, your world will become richer and you will become more like Jesus if you invite those people into your group. Whatever that group is, whether it's your work, whether it's your family, whether it's your e-group. So let's invite some of those people in, okay? That's my first point. We need to invite some different voices into our group. My second one is we need to be a dissenting voice in our group. What I mean is that the world around us needs Christians who are speaking up, who are bringing a different voice to the world around them. We need to engage with the messiness of the world so that, that a true voice from God is being heard. And I don't mean like being heard like the media wants it to be heard. Because the secular media will find the outspoken, bigoted voices in this world, a.k.a. Destiny Church, and they will pretend like they are the only voice of Christianity in the world, and they will choose the juiciest morsels to feed to the public and say, hey, look at Christianity. This is what they think. They think that this flooding that's happening is caused by gay people or whatever crazy thing that Brian Tamaki makes up today. But we can't be the silent majority. We need to be heard because the thing is, the vast majority of Christians don't think like that. The vast majority of us carry the love and grace of Jesus. And we need to carry that into our worlds. We need to have that voice be heard. Recently, I heard this, I had this highlighted to me. I, um, I'm doing my master's in theology at the moment. And uh, it's part of that I got a, a scholarship and uh, the organization that I got the scholarship through is called Hefenua Todikura, and they were set up after the mosque attacks in, um, in Christchurch uh, to help prevent uh, terrorism in Aotearoa. And 
yeah, so my master's is on that topic, how we, how we actually prevent Christians from um, being radicalized in New Zealand. And you can talk to me about it afterwards. But I, I went to, I got invited to go to Wellington with all other scholarship um, receivers, recipients. And uh, I went to this hui, and I realized, man, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Christian voice here. And it was such a diverse group. There were people from the Muslim community, people from the transgender community, the refugee community, Bunch of different ethnicities, and 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 me, the, the the Pakeha Christian community, and and I realized that actually in the setting, the the Christian voice is not being heard. Like I am that Christian voice. These people actually think the Christian voice is what they re, what they hear in the media, what they hear from um, some of the hate-filled, uh, bigoted uh, stuff that the media portrays, and that, that's the only voice they are hearing. Um, I was like, wow, actually, I need to step up into this place. I need to speak of the love and the grace of God. I need to be a voice in this space because we don't live in a Christian society anymore. And actually, we as Christians need to step into those spaces. You need to step into your space. I don't know. You, I can't get into your world, your world, your marketplace, your school place, your university, your, wherever. You need to be speaking up with the love of God in that place. So we need to be that voice. We need to be a dissenting voice in our group. It's really important how we dissent, though, and this is my third point. Dissent for love and not for faith. Let me explain this. Dissent for love, not for faith. The world has been bombarded a lot by Christians about what they are against, especially in America, but we kind of, there's a trickle-down thing into New Zealand as well. So they, they hear about how Christians are against abortion and against gay marriage and against prostitution, against all these things. Actually, the world needs to hear about what we are for. We are for the rights of the poor. We are for the marginalized. We are for refugees. We are for those who can't help themselves, who need a hand up. Too often, we dissent over matters of faith when we should be dissenting over matters of love. Because when it comes to faith and love, love wins every time. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us this beautifully. I won't read the whole chapter, but it starts, If I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, work out all those things, why things are going wrong in our society. <laughs> and if I have faith to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And it goes on and on. And, and it finishes with this amazing statement. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is? Sorry, the greatest of these is? Love. It's not faith. It's love. Love is all important. And it's love that we should be dissenting for. That's what we should be about. I watched an old movie um, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'm going to give some spoilers. Has anybody seen 12 Angry Men? Yeah, okay, good. Well, I've got at least one person with me. Uh, I'll explain it to you. 1957 it was, it was filmed. Um, I think it's actually based on a play. It's an old movie. And I'm going to give you some plot spoilers, because if you haven't watched it in 65 years, then, you know, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you missed that shot. But basically... Uh, there's a murder trial. A son is accused of patricide, of killing his father, and the punishment is the death penalty. 
And the whole, pretty much the whole movie is set in this one room where 12 jurors go out and they debate uh, whether he should um, be found guilty or not. And they go out into this room and they take a preliminary vote. Like, okay, what's, what, what's getting the vibe of the room? And it's 11 to 1 in favor of guilty. Now, for a conviction that it had to be unanimous, they had to have all of them agree, either for or against. So the 11 jurors are all looking at this one guy who's, who's dissented, and, and they're saying, come on, it's, it's, it's cut and dry. It's, he's clearly guilty. What, why are you bothering? Why are you wasting your time? Like, I've got things to do. We've got places to go. And this one juror says something along those lines. He says, this kid, he's, he's like 18, this young guy. This kid has grown up in the slums. He's been beaten down, literally beaten by his dad for years. He's been downtrodden all his life. No one's given him a chance. The least we could do is take an hour out of our lives to discuss his case before condemning him to death. And I go, I, okay, yep, fair enough. We can discuss it for a little bit. And so they begin to discuss the case. And over the course of the deliberation, they, they, they take a revote every so often. And so the next vote, it's 10 to 2. And then later on, it's 9 to 3. And you can see where this is heading. I said I wasn't going to, well, I'll give a plot spoiler. But you know, you know where this is going, right? The thing is, one dissenting voice for the cause of love saved a life. Let me say that again. One dissenting voice for the cause of love can save a life. So it was such a powerful example of that. I encourage you, go away. It's on Amazon Prime. Go away and watch it. But that's, that's the power of our dissenting voice. When we dissent for love. We say, hang on, Let's just show some compassion in this moment. Can we just show some grace rather than just, you know, going with what is right and true, which is often what Christians want to do? We want it to be true and right because God's word is true and right. Hey, how about we show some compassion? Because that's what Jesus would do. I'll invite the band up. I'm just about done. My last, my last point is that how we speak is more important than what we say. Often how we speak is more important than what we say. You see, often the medium is actually the message. You can't separate those two things out. If you go into a conversation with the posture that I'm right and they're wrong and I've just got to make sure that they know that I'm right and they're wrong and I've got to convince them of my rightness and their wrongness, then can I suggest that you have probably lost them already? <laughs> you would have lost me. <laughs> you see, we don't like being told how to think or what to do, do we? No one does, really. And I think often we can come into those situations and we can think, no, actually, I, 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 have, I know what's right. And we can go in all guns blazing. Can I suggest we need to go in with some humility? We need to listen rather than just talk. We need to listen to understand and not to refute. Often we're, we're listening just, just until they've stopped talking and then we can say, Abbott, 
just so we can let them know what we know. Uh, so just stop talking so I can tell you the truth. Would you, please? <laughs> no, no, we need to listen to understand, not just to refute. We need to come with a posture of humility, the posture that says, you know, I can learn some things off you just as much as you can learn some things off me. We need to have the humility, even have the humility to, can I get the band up? You Come on, come on out. Uh, have the humility to, to say, you know what? I can be changed. I can, you can change my mind. Like if we don't go into it with that, that, that option, then I think we will never be heard. Jesus came with humility. It, it, the Bible tells us that he came to, to love and to serve in humility. And we need to come into every situation with that posture, that grace. So when we are, when we are you know, dissenting, when we are disagreeing, we're not doing it in an I'm right, you're wrong kind of way. We're doing it in a, in a loving way that says, actually, I think, I think there's another way. I think there's a different voice. I think there's a, there's a posture that, that, that you, could be, um, you could be agreeing with that, that you haven't perhaps realized. So have I convinced you? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm not, yeah. This isn't, this isn't me trying to twist your arm and, and uh, convince you. I'm, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to be working in your heart and that, that He's going to be speaking to you and, and challenging you. That as we think about how, you know, our world, our world is consistent of uh, lots of different groups. It is a group thing if we break it down. But in the, within those groups, I want to say, you know, where are the dissenting voices? Where are those voices that, that are different to yours. Do you even have those voices? Because if you don't, maybe you should find them. And where, in what groups, and what worlds, are you a dissenting voice? Are you standing up and bringing a voice that is different to those around you? Why don't we stand? I would love to pray for you. In a moment, if you're in either of those camps, either you can relate to, to the fact that maybe I don't have those voices in my world and I need to invite them in, or maybe I need to be that voice to the world around me. Just let, let's close our eyes and maybe just in this moment, maybe you raise a hand or you open up your arms, but just, and however you want to respond, I would love to pray for you in this moment. Father, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, that he was a voice that was so different, the most different voice the world has ever seen. And Lord, we want, we want to hear that voice and we recognize that sometimes we close ourselves off into our own wee bubbles. And sometimes the voice of Jesus can actually be so different to what to what we expect it to be. Lord, we, we open up our worlds. Show us the people that we need to hang out with who are different to us. Show us the people we need to invite into our worlds so that we can have a different perspective, so that we can have the, the advice of the multitude. And God, show us where we can be a voice of difference. Show us in what groups we are in that we can be a voice of compassion, that we can be a voice of love 
And God, show us how to be that dissenting voice. Show us how to be a voice of difference in a grace-filled way. Because ultimately, God, we want to become more like you. We pray this in your name. Amen. One more thing I want to do is that if you're here this morning and you know that the voice of God has been calling you and you've, you haven't been listening, this morning's your chance to respond. Jesus says in the Bible that, He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's waiting for you to invite Him in. He, he will never force that door down, but He's been waiting for you to invite Him in. And when, when you invite Him in, then He can, he can speak he can speak those words that are going to bring change and that are going to, yeah, transform your life. But you need to allow Him room. You need to open that door to Him. So just with every eye closed and head bowed in this place, if you're here this morning and you're like, yeah, and actually, I've not opened the door of my heart to God before, or I've done it, but I know that I've closed it off again and I need to reopen to Him. Well, just in this moment, with every, every eye closed and head bowed, if that's you and you think, yeah, I need to open my heart to God. I need to ha- allow His voice to speak into me. If that's you, just raise your hand and I'll see it. And you can put it down. I see that hand there. That's awesome. And that hand there too. That's great. Anybody else? I'll give you a couple more moments. That's awesome. So good. All right, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to pray a prayer together just kind of solidifying this, this decision. So I'll, I'll say a line, then you can uh, repeat the line back. Dear God, nice and strong. Dear God, I come to you this morning and recognize my need for you. Jesus, I invite you to be Lord of my life. I receive your forgiveness through your death and your resurrection. Come fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Make me new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Hey, if that was you this morning, why don't we put our hands together? That's so good. That is so good. If that was you, I just encourage you, come and have a chat to me or to Penny or one of the people down the front after the service, we'd love to give you a a Bible and put some stuff in your hands, which is gonna help you on this journey because this is just the first step in a journey. It's just the first step on an amazing journey. And so, yeah, we'd love to help you in that. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.